This message comes from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient Faith for Today's World October 31st, 2021 Mark 13, 5-11 When Abraham Lincoln made his inaugural address as president in 1861, one of the senators spoke up in order to try to humiliate Lincoln. He said, don't forget, Mr. Lincoln, that your father once made shoes for me. In response, Lincoln said, I'm well aware that my father was a shoemaker. My father was one of the very best. And he said something on the lines of, and I'm proud of my father. He was a genius, a creator. And I know that he made shoes for you. If you have any complaint, let me know. But as far as I know, no one ever made any complaints against my father's shoemaking. He was one of the very best. And I'm proud of my father. At this, the laughter that had initially started among the senators changed into sincere applause. Has anyone ever tried to make you feel small or insignificant in order to make you silent? This happens, of course, not just in the political sphere. It has happened to many Christians throughout history. They have been made to be silent through intimidation or fear, and those who try to make them feel too insignificant to speak up. But as we celebrate Reformation Sunday, we turn to God's word in Mark chapter 13. And there we see Jesus giving us cause to speak up as he prepares us to speak up even in the face of immense pressure. We see how the Holy Spirit changes us from facing intimidation to making a bold proclamation. And the Holy Spirit speaks through you. Jesus' disciples had just left the temple courtyard area. And one of the disciples remarked as they were looking at the immense structures, look at these impressive stones and look at these impressive buildings. Jesus and his disciples had just left what Herod had constructed to impress the world. Herod the Great and his son had worked to construct a temple that was immense. The stones that were used, some of them were over a hundred tons in size and weight. And they were reportedly so well carved that you could not even fit a piece of paper in between them. Some of the heights of the walls as they reached down to the valley towered over 20 stories high. And these impressive walls were surrounding an area that was the size of the temple courtyard of about six football fields. And encircling that area were 162 massive pillars, so big that it took more than three men to reach their arms around those pillars. And all this was just a prelude to the temple itself. The temple was made out of marble and inlaid with gold, and the doors were of shining, brilliant bronze. So brilliant that people couldn't even reportedly look at it in the daylight. Herod had worked to make this an impressive structure, and no doubt it was beyond impressive. The temple itself was completed when Jesus was about 20 years old, and 
the construction of the courtyard and surrounding area continued for decades. It was, beyond a doubt, impressive. And yet Jesus was not impressed. He said to his disciples, basically, all of this impressive structure, you see this? It's not going to last. So when the disciples later on had gone up the Mount of Olives and they were looking across at the temple courtyard area, and they could see it in the distance. The disciples were wondering, what, what do you mean it won't last? How? When? And so Jesus gave them a, an answer which helped prepare them to speak up in a world that would make them feel so insignificant, in a world filled with so many other impressive powers. Words which also encourage and prepare us to speak up when we feel insignificant. We're going to look at four main points that Jesus makes. And in these four points, he prepares us to make a stand and share the gospel by his spirit. Firstly, Jesus says to them, don't be deceived. That is, hold on to the truth. He says, don't be deceived because many will come in my name and will deceive many. See, the, the greatest dangers that face the Christian church aren't simply and necessarily all the false teachings of the false religions in the world around. No, the greatest danger often comes from within the church, from those who take on the title and name of Jesus Christ. Jesus says they will come in my name. And those false teachers aren't just an idle threat. Jesus says they will deceive many. And when, when you look at this, this can seem insurmountable. All those who are following the deceits of the false teachers. That's how it was for the reformers in the Lutheran church about 500 years ago when the Reformation began. They saw how so much of the visible church had been taken over by false teachers, so the gospel was obscured and forgiveness of sins was not clearly taught. And many were deceived. Still, it's the same today, isn't it? Look around. You see the successful Christian teachers, which in the name of Christ teach not a true gospel, but what is really a prosperity gospel, one of financial prosperity quite often. And you look at them as the best-selling authors, those who have churches that are full of people and those that people are praising. And you see the number of their followers and you might say, what impressive things they're able to do with all their money. And begin to think, well, what can I do? But Jesus says, don't be deceived. Don't give in. The reformers, when they saw how many were deceived, they knew Jesus had told of this. And when you see many who are deceived and who are no longer holding to the truth, and it seems like it's an insurmountable opposition, Jesus told you, hold on to the truth, even as you walk among impressive giants and powers of this world who deceive many people. Secondly, Jesus said, don't be alarmed. That is, hold on to your mission. Jesus gave a list of all the things that the world would face, that there would be wars, rumors of wars, nation rising up against nation, and there'd be great destruction. And certainly, that is something which the church has experienced. 
It was only a hundred years after the start of the Reformation that there was what was called the Thirty Years' War. Maybe by its title you can guess how devastating such a war was. Even by conservative estimates, it's said that 20% of the population of Europe died during the Thirty Years' War because of the war. And yet did the reformers become alarmed? Did they panic or did they despair in their work? No, Jesus had told them, don't be alarmed. These are the very beginnings of birth pains. So they held to their mission, even amidst the great powers and raging of this world. We see that today, don't we? When you look at the, the opposition to the church in the political sphere, the opposition in the social sphere, and you see the great powers of this world which seek to silence God's people. And you look at the struggles that we face and you hear the reports on the news of all the conflicts that are taking place in this world and you begin to think, what can I do? It's, I'm so insignificant. And we begin to give in to panic, alarm, or maybe despair. But Jesus says, don't be alarmed. Such things are to come. Hold on to your mission, even in the face of great powers and impressive powers waging war. Thirdly, Jesus adds to this list, don't be silent. That is, continue to speak. Hold on to the gospel. He says, you'll be brought before rulers and kings and authorities on account of me. When Christians share the gospel, they'll be brought to trial. We certainly saw that happen for the apostles as they spoke of the forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus, that the Jesus who died on the cross rose again and proclaimed forgiveness of sins in his name. They were led before the Sanhedrin and faced with a threat to be silent. But Jesus said, don't be silent. You'll be brought before kings and authorities and rulers, but the gospel must be preached to all the ends of the earth. The reformers and men before them, like the apostles, all were brought before trial to stand before kings and rulers, emperors and authorities, but they were able to make their stand and they weren't silent. Jesus had told them, the gospel must be preached. You know, the, the, the devil who opposes the spread of the gospel cares very little if you or I or, or anyone gets on a pedestal and begins to preach the law. The law is there and the devil can work his purposes through the law to bring people to pride or despair. But the gospel, the good news of forgiveness of sins, is what he strives against. This is what Jesus says must be preached Many world religions will force laws on people. Religions such as Islam will try to enforce rules and regulations to accomplish their purpose. But they all lack what must be preached in the name of Christ. The full and free forgiveness of sins through the Son of God who died for us and rose again. The gospel. And though there will be threats and Christians will face trials, just as they, like Luther, had to stand before others and be made to confess, is this what you teach? 
Christians have stood against the authorities. They have made witness and proclamation and they have not let the gospel be silent because they knew the gospel must be preached. And so people like Luther and the Apostle Paul and so many other Christians have made their stand and said, here I stand on the word of God. And they held on to the gospel and they were not silent in the face of impressive threats and powers trying to stop them. What about you? What does it take to silence you from speaking the gospel? Maybe you won't be dragged before kings and rulers, but maybe peer pressure, does that stop you from sharing the gospel on social media or in a crowded group with your friends? Or do you join with the apostle and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, even when threats arise. Finally, Jesus gives us a fourth word to prepare us and a fourth encouragement to equip us as we speak up in this world. So far, the first three we have seen, he says, don't be deceived. Hold on to your mission. Don't be alarmed. Continue even in the face of turmoil. And he says, don't be silent. Speak up the gospel. And fourthly, he gives us the reason and the power to do this. He says, don't worry. Don't worry what you will speak when you're brought to, to stand before other people. Why? It won't be you speaking, but the Holy Spirit who will be speaking through you. The words that are given to God's people are powerful words. And you have been given a power in your baptism, which far exceeds any power of this world, far exceeds any waging of war or anything that would try to stop the gospel. You've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when you share the gospel, you join with the apostles, the reformers, the Christians before you who have made a stand in speaking not words of your own, but powerful words of the gospel. And where the gospel is spoken, the Holy Spirit works. Maybe you might look at all the challenges and the impressive powers that stand against you, but you have a powerful word and the powerful working of the Holy Spirit through that word that you speak. Yes, the Holy Spirit spoke through other men and women, and the Holy Spirit speaks through you today. The Holy Spirit shares that message as we speak about the one who stood in those same temple courts, Jesus, the Son of God. For all the times where we were impressed by the powers of this world, or we caved into fear or pressure, or we became alarmed and panicked, Jesus did not. But Jesus, who was brought before those very same impressive structures of stone, stood before the high priest and the Sanhedrin. And when they asked him, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One, the Son of God? He said, I am. And boldly made his confession. And when the people clamored for his death and the powers that stood over him threatened him, Jesus boldly proclaimed, you are right in saying, I am a king. And Jesus, with the power of his word, silenced and crushed all the powers of this world. Because the Jesus who died on the cross and was crucified, conquered death, 
rose again from the grave. And in power and glory, he said to his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. And he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news. The gospel must be preached to all creation. That's the same Jesus who equips you by his spirit and sends you to speak his gospel. And yes, <clears throat> we could wonder, how does this message get out? But God doesn't use the powerful and persuasive things of this world. God doesn't draw in the many through deception. God doesn't rely on all the impressive things that we see around us. He chooses to use the weak. He chooses to use what is of seemingly very ordinary origin and very unimpressive. He uses you. He uses me. God uses the unimpressive and the weak of this world to share his powerful gospel in the face of powerful opposition. That's what he did with people like Luther and the reformers, with the disciples. When the disciples were flogged and the Sanhedrin threatened them, it says they were noting the boldness of those apostles and they were amazed at these unschooled men and noted that they had been with Jesus. Jesus who had given them the Holy Spirit. Jesus who had told them, don't be deceived, don't be alarmed, don't be silenced, and don't worry, is the same Jesus who tells those things to you today. Sure, we, we could stand back and marvel at the impressive outcome of so many false teachers around us and the sway that they hold as they deceive many. And yeah, we could marvel as we see the powers of this world and hear the reports in the news around us and we feel so insignificant and powerless to make any difference. And we could be silent as we feel the threats and are made to stand on trial and put on the spot. And we could worry and wonder, what am I going to say? How am I going to do this? Or we can marvel at the immeasurable power and impressiveness of the glory of the cross of Jesus who died for sinners and of the empty tomb that proclaimed we are forgiven. And we can marvel at the immeasurable power he has given us with his gospel and equipped us by his spirit. And we can speak the good news, forgiveness of sins, freedom from guilt, resurrection and eternal life found in the name of Jesus. That's what the reformers did. That's what men like Luther did. That's what so many teachers, pastors, Christians after them did. And that's what you still do today as the Holy Spirit speaks through you.